Once again, welcome to another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Path alongside Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, the space lighthouses that may one day help us reach our destination in space. Plus, this year in Tinder statistics, what stands out in the modern dating scene, and a restaurant bill that might have you washing dishes for at least a couple of years. All that, plus this week in history, coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Lighthouses in the sky. That's how a recent Mashable report described the neutron stars being mapped by NASA, a task taking place in part because it may one day be used as a form of GPS for space travel. And while that scenario is likely still a ways off, the stars themselves are fascinating. First and foremost, a neutron star is the collapsed core of a supergiant the latter of which are among the largest and brightest stars in space. Neutron stars are the result of a supernova explosion combined with gravitational collapse of said object. And these things are heavy, literally. Per the report, just a sugar cube-sized piece of this dense material weighs 1 billion tons. NASA notes that's as much as a mountain on Earth. They go on to say the objects are like crushing half a million times Earth's mass into a sphere about 12 miles across. Unbelievable. And now scientists have announced the discovery of nearly 300 unique neutron stars called pulsars, discovered using the Fermi Gamma Ray Space Telescope. These pulsars are rapidly spinning neutron stars that emit powerful beams of light from their poles. And get this, they're each about the size of a large city on Earth, some of which are spinning faster than a blender. I'm talking hundreds of times per second. Per the Mashable report, mapping pulsars is of great scientific interest, not only because they may one day be used as locational identifiers for intergalactic travelers, but also because they provide clues into the history and evolution of stars and galaxies. A video recently released by NASA, which we'll link in the show notes, shows the many pulsars identified in our own Milky Way galaxy. These pulsars are especially unique because they're among the 10% of pulsars thought to also emit gamma rays the most potent form of energy, into space. Gamma rays have the most energy of any wave in the electromagnetic spectrum. Per David Smith, the research director at the Bordeaux Astrophysics Laboratory who worked on the recently published catalog, said in a statement, quote, This new catalog compiles full information on all known gamma ray pulsars in an effort to promote new avenues of exploration, end quote. And while it may seem like pie in the sky for the moment, Zavin Arzumanian, a NASA scientist and pulsar researcher, points out these pulsars could indeed one day be used to help identify location in space. Quote, you can time the pulsations of pulsars distributed in many directions around a spacecraft to figure out where the vehicle is and navigate it anywhere. That's exactly how the GPS system on Earth works with precise clocks flown on satellites in orbit, end quote. I wouldn't bet on seeing this type of thing in my lifetime, but who knows? But in another 100 years or so, and this is just me opining, who knows? It's it's all pretty fascinating to me, though, Reggie. This is wild to think about as we get closer and closer, it seems, to maybe one day taking off and just cruising around space, seeing what's out there. That was actually my first thought is, I don't expect to see this in my lifetime, maybe not even my kid's lifetime. But yeah, I mean, that's, I, I guess if it works for GPS and you have some way to identify where you are, yeah, that's that's great. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't want to go into space without being able to plug something into my phone, uh, a destination of sorts. I mean, do you just pull up Mars and, hey, straight line, you're leaving Earth. Make sure you stay on this path. You really don't need to change lanes or roads or anything on the way out there. So I guess as I say that in jest, I don't know how much of this would be necessary in just cruising around our own solar system, but... At the point we're able to get out beyond that area, yeah, I could see this being a pretty big deal. And cool to think that here in 2023, they're already laying the foundation for that sort of technology. I'm just imagining family road trips right now of, honey, you missed the Neptune exit. Can't you tell by that <laughs> pulsar over there that you were going the wrong way? <laughs> and stop off. I need a Red Bull uh, or some <laughs> chips. <laughs> I can't I can't get uh, Futurama, the Matt Groening cartoon out of my head right now. That's that's <laughs> running <Yeah>. through there <laughs> in that cartoon. The spaceship didn't move. Space moved around the spaceship. Just so you know. <laughs> Fascinating. That was an episode. <laughs> and Marcus, as we're looking to the future here for navigation, uh, I actually have something coming up in this day in history that kind of looks to the past of space navigation. All right. Tying it all together here. I like it, Reg. Tinder has released its 2023 year in swipe, which I didn't know was a thing, Marcus. And it's also a good thing that I'm not in the dating scene either, because I don't think I would do so well. According... Yeah, there's a variety of reasons that it's good you're not in the dating scene, Reggie. <laughs> you're right. You're right. According to the year in swipe, NATO dating is the diplomatic approach. Have you heard of NATO dating? I have not. I have no idea what that means, which probably says something about my age. Not being attached to an outcome. NATO. Uh, okay, it's not the North American no, uh, treaty no. or whatever. Nope. <laughs> Quote, main characters were living for the plot, which means no bad dates, only good stories. They also had on the list that daters are de-influenced by Delulu, which, again, a term I'm unfamiliar with. That's dating's not delusional if you know you're delusional. Also on the list, that time is actually the most valuable currency when it comes to dating. And I, I completely can be on board with that one. Time is one of those things that I'm obsessed with and I, I do find important. You're obsessed with time? I am. I am. I'm absolutely obsessed with time. I get paranoid. You sit around listening to Hootie and the Blowfish's jam? And... <laughs> I just get paranoid when I feel like I'm running out of time or I don't have time enough for something. I get very paranoid. I just love the description. I'm obsessed with time. I'm obsessed with time. So they also listed the top emojis used in profiles. These are emojis I was completely unfamiliar with. There's one I'm going to describe as the on exclamation point emoji with two arrows facing in each direction that lets you know that you're up for an adventure there's also the yerba mate emoji are you familiar with that one marcus what do you think reg <laughs> nope nope i didn't even know what that was it <laughs> kind of looks like to me it looks like you know one of the coconut drinks with a straw but yerba is actually okay. a, a healthy you know drink that one is either used to signify a healthy drink or it can also be a replacement for booze which doesn't make sense to me because those are completely opposite things uh, a healthy but, drink and a replacement for booze? Yeah, it, it can it can mean either one of those things. Like, let's get a healthy drink or let's get booze, I guess. So that no, means... No, no. Oh, oh, it's a replacement. When you say a replacement for booze, I thought it meant, hey, let's get something in place of alcohol. No, no. I, at least from what I gathered, it's another thing. Like, let's get booze. 
So, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that is counterintuitive. There's another one I would describe as a rosary, but without the cross. That was used to represent Zen or mental well-being. A band-aid is on there for those who are on a journey of healing and just wanting to get back out there. And rounding out the top five for emojis is a bouquet because, you know, it's romantic. I get that one. I'm on board with that one. If you want to see some of these emojis, if you're like me and you just don't understand them, I have a link in our show notes as well. Now, the most common interest for those on Tinder, horror movies, hip-hop, tennis, voguing, which I'm not sure how that's an interest, and walking your dog. However, wait, 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 wait. Voguing, like the Madonna thing from the 1980s it, where we're sitting there throwing our hands beside well, our face? What? What? It's got a different meaning now, more like a, a dancing, just, you know, dancing in general. Oh, it does, yeah. does it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had to look some of these things up because I'm old and <laughs> not with the times. <laughs> and get off my lawn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Those are the most common things that people say they're interested in. But when you're looking for interest in other people, the top thing they're looking for is otaku, which is a person who's obsessed with manga, anime, or other forms of Japanese culture, followed by cheerleading, which seems to be the exact opposite of that. Then Pilates, Bariani, which is a South Asian rice dish, and LGBTQ plus ally came in fifth. They also listed the top Spotify artists that people put on their profile. Taylor Swift naturally coming in number one, I feel like. I mean, she's everywhere right now. Morgan Wallen, The Weeknd, SZA, and Zach Bryan rounding out the top five. The top songs, Last Night by Morgan Wallen, Kill Bill by SZA, El Baila Sola by Ezlaban Armado and Pese Pluma, Flowers by Miley Cyrus, and Creepin' Metro Boomin from The Weeknd and 21 Savage. What people want to know most when checking out profiles are the relationship goals, followed by your zodiac sign. Coming in number three, they want to know your height, four, pets, and five, smoking habits. The love styles, as Tinder puts it, that people are most interested in are time together, followed by touch, thoughtful gestures, compliments, and in fifth, just being present. As for communication styles, uh, people prefer being in person, followed by someone who is a big time texter. Phone caller comes in number three, which that surprised me. I don't understand this one. Some people like bad texters. I'm not sure why that's what? good at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. In fifth, people want uh, a video chatter. Do, do you want a bad texter I'm, I'm at a loss for how to respond to that a bad texter comes in fourth i don't even know what that means I, what does I, it take to be a bad texter you're uh, just horrible at spelling you're an old man like me <laughs> you're a bad texter. all caps i mean <laughs> probably god so the top pets that people have on tinder dogs twice as popular as cats which came in second then don't have but love came in third and fourth all the pets and in fifth they just you know pet free is what they listed what does all the pets mean they love like, all what, the pets what? all pets they well, don't care. okay but you're just saying top pets so dogs are first cats are second like fourth can't be all the pets i just love all the pets like you gotta have a pet i mean i thought that was the entire topic was top pets parakeet i don't know i, I don't mean know. cougar anything not all the pets that's not an actual thing it makes no sense i didn't create the list i'm just reading the list yeah well i'm shooting the messenger <laughs> okay <laughs> so the countries who ghosted you the least 
Denmark came in number one, followed by Sweden, Norway, Canada, and then Australia. It always hurts to be ghosted by Denmark, (laughs) (laughs) particularly because it happens so infrequently. It's a real shot to the heart. Countries who reply the fastest, Korea, Singapore, UK, Germany, US came in number five. And to wrap it up in the US, the cities that reply the fastest are Chicago and L.A. So if you're looking for a date quick, I guess those are the two to go to. (laughs) I'll keep that in mind if ever I need a date again in this life. Yeah. Hopefully not. I I don't think I'm going to be able to keep up with those emojis and stuff. I've never been good at that. Well, you're obsessed with time. Just let them know about (laughs) that. I'm (laughs) sure you'll be a shoe in Every emoji is just going to be a clock. Yeah, hourglass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the sands of time. My one and only love in this life. The following is a lesson in how not to social media. I think we've all been out to eat before and gasped upon seeing the bill. That's often followed by hurriedly checking the itemized ticket to ensure the restaurant didn't mistakenly add something that shouldn't be there. That said, I've never received a bill in excess of If I did, I might have to make a break for it, Reg, but that's what happened to a Chinese woman recently who was dining at a local hotspot. She received a $60,000 bill for food she had not ordered. The reason? A photo posted to social media. Surprise, surprise. You see, this restaurant placed a unique QR code on each table for the purposes of ordering, and the woman made the mistake of taking a picture of herself, which included the QR code for all to see. And again, each table had its own unique code, and that's how the orders were sent to the back of the house. You can imagine where this story is probably going from here. Numerous people online caught wind of what happened and began using the QR code to order food to this woman's table. According to the South China Morning Post, the woman deleted her photo immediately, but people continued to place orders for their table, presumably because someone had downloaded the photo before its deletion. Fortunately, I guess all's well that ends well as the restaurant did not make the woman pay the bill and eventually moved her to a new table, ignoring the new orders made via the code. The management said it could neither track down the people who ordered the food nor stop people from continuing to do so. You know, to a certain extent, this is on the restaurant as well. You know, we live in a social media age you're putting qr codes out there like this i get it for a menu but for purposes of ordering a little bit of a stretch uh the woman considered point do you start getting all these orders and think you know what i don't think we need to make all this food oh exactly (laughs) is is that one woman out there really ordering sixty thousand (laughs) dollars worth man we're having a record night here the interesting thing to me is just in reading this story okay they presented her with a sixty thousand dollar bill I'm not familiar with how things are done in China, but usually that comes at the end of the night. After the food has been served, you've consumed said food, and then you are presented with the amount that that food costs. In this case, the woman was somehow apparently reseated and not charged for the stuff that came through. So I can only assume at some point they came to realize this is ridiculous. This is outrageous. Let's go out there and talk to this woman and make sure that this is a mistake of some kind. And of course it was. The woman considered it a learning opportunity. Yeah, you think? And urged heightened awareness of information security when sharing food photos. She advised that people blur out or cover up QR codes in their photos to prevent others from using them to order food without their permission. It's fantastic advice, Reg. I will have to take that into account the next time I'm posting on social media. $60,000 worth of food. That seems like a lot of dishes to have to wash because I can't afford that. 
Taking a look at this date in history, in 1990, NASA discovers life on Earth. Well, not exactly. It was uh, because of their spacecraft Galileo when they launched that. That was the control experiment they did. They had to go around planet Earth to see if it could discover life. I did a gravity assist fly by Earth at close altitude of 597 miles on its way to Jupiter. Now, Galileo was the first spacecraft to orbit an outer planet. The path that it took also allowed it to do some other observations, like it was the first time that they got views of the mid-level clouds on Venus and confirmed the presence of lightning on the planet. They also made a lot of Earth observations, mapped the surface of the moon, and observed the north and observed the moon's north polar regions. Galileo became the first spacecraft to encounter an asteroid when it passed Gaspra on October 29th, 1991. It was within 1,000 miles of the asteroid's center at a relative speed of about uh, 18,000 miles per hour. They received a lot of pictures and data from that. It ended up passing another asteroid on its trip as well. It was a first spacecraft to deploy an entry probe into an outer planet's atmosphere. It was also the first spacecraft to operate in a giant planet magnetosphere long enough to identify its global structure and investigate dynamics. Now, the total... Wait, 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 wait. Reggie, I need you to explain what the heck does that mean? Anyways, the cause... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the magnetosphere. <laughs> the, the cause <laughs> total from the start of planning through the end of mission was $1.39 billion. The approximate number of people who worked on the Galileo in some way was 800 people. During the trip, they did discover Io, one of the moons of Jupiter, had an extensive volcanic activity that may be 100 times greater than what is found on Earth. And they also found evidence that supports the liquid ocean theory for the Europa's icy surface, that there might be oceans underneath it. Ganymede, they discovered, was the first satellite or moon to possess a magnetic field. And they also learned that Jupiter's ring systems, which I know a lot of people don't always recognize that Jupiter actually has rings as well, is formed by dust kicked up by interplanetary meteoroids that hit the planet's four small inner moons. And the outermost ring is actually two rings, one embedded with the other. In the end, the Galileo spacecraft actually ended up going, I don't know if you remember this, crashing into Jupiter on purpose. They did that on September 21st of 2003. From launch to impact, the spacecraft traveled about 2.8 billion miles. According Ooh. to, yeah, I know, that's a that's a long road trip. Let's put it that way. It sure is. Dr. Charles Alachi, who was the director of JPL in 2003, said, Galileo taught us so much about Jupiter, but there is still so much to be learned. And for that, we look with promise to future missions. Got to get back up there into the magnetosphere, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, did you hear about that cost and how many people it took to do it? <laughs> I sure did, Reg. <laughs> I mean, in reality, it is a pretty it is a pretty fascinating story to um, to see how far we've come with space exploration. And, and you're talking about something that happened in the 1990s, of course, too. But to have circled the, the planet Earth and then move on into deeper space to discover what it did and send pictures back is, is pretty darn cool. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Reggie Rizzo with Marcus Paff. If you have any thoughts, questions, any corrections for us, anything, coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. That's coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. We'll talk to you soon.